Welcome to the Legends of Iron. I'm John Anderson. Meet my co-host, Nate Best, and Akeem Williams. We're going to have some amazing guests on the show. Buckle up tight, because we're going to be talking about the shit you're not supposed to be talking about. We're going to be discussing anything and everything it takes to become a legend of iron. Legends of Iron is brought to you by Muscleman, the creator of Nitro Tests. Nitro Test is hands down the most fucking kick-ass free workout on the market. The question is, can you fucking handle it? Welcome to another edition of Legends of Iron. I am John Anderson. With me always, my partners in crime, Nick Best, who's giggling up a storm <laughs> at me right now, and Hawkin Williams. <laughs> we are here. We've got a great episode for you. This guest, really, really excited to have him on the show. He's had an amazing fitness journey himself. We're going to talk to him about that. He's helped tons of others with their journey, but... What we're really going to be keying on today is he is a writer for some of the major publications in the fitness industry, and he's going to have some, I'm sure, some very exciting stories to tell us once we start asking him some juicy questions. So, Roger Lockridge, welcome to the show, my brother. How are you? John, I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me. This is a honor and a privilege to be amongst this kind of company. Well, we're excited to have you here, you know, when uh, when... You know, Nick actually had said that, you know, you guys were working together. And as soon as he said this, I said, man, let's get him on the show. So the, the timing was great. You were working with Nick on a story of him for him. And uh, it mm -hmm. just lined up perfectly. So here we are, you know. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's uh, working with a guy like Nick, um, who's a legend in not only one, but two straight sports is uh, an incredible opportunity. And then for him to decide that me being worthy of being on his podcast and for you all to talk to me. Um, can't speak enough highway about him. Um, so, uh, yeah, this, <laughs> this, this is going to be fun. So I appreciate Nick thinking of me. Oh, you're more than welcome. You, you're, you're a brilliant man. So this, this is going to be a lot of fun. People are going to learn a lot from this. So it's good stuff. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Well, first thing, let's just kind of start off. Tell us about your fitness journey, because obviously your fitness journey kind of led you into the position you are with writing for the major publications. So let's kind of start in the, from the beginning. Talk to us about where it started and, and talk to us about the, the ups and downs and all that kind of good stuff. Okay. So uh, if you would have seen me as a kid, you would have never thought that I'd be somebody working in the fitness industry. Um, <laughs> I was, uh, I was bone rail thin as a kid. Um, I did not win the gene pool. As a matter of fact, my family genetics was probably born in the cesspool. Um, <laughs> when I was in high school, um, I was five foot nine, 125 pounds. And this is as a 17 year old senior. And, uh, man, I was dealing with a lot as a kid. Um, I had to deal with, uh, what was known as childhood domestic violence. I was there when my parents were always fighting. They were both alcoholic. Um, at one point, my father even held us at gunpoint. So, uh, there was a lot of trauma wow. that with that. Wow. And, uh, no kidding. And, and, and I was also bullied quite a bit in school, um, middle school all the way up. And uh, confidence was non-existent. And I was looking for some way to release aggression. And I didn't want to hurt anybody else, though, because I knew what it was like to feel that pain on the other end. And I just couldn't bring myself to inflict it. That's when I found weight training. I was at a buddy's house. We played basketball together and he had some weights. He had me jump in. Um, kind of wanted to pursue it a little further. I went to a gym um, that was about a half mile down the road. I actually had to walk because we didn't even have a car back then. And after that first workout, even though 135 pounds literally pinned me on the bench, um, being around the machines, challenging myself with the weights, seeing the heavier dumbbells and perceiving myself, working my way up, um, something just lit. And I decided not only was I going to get bigger and stronger, I was going to use this as a way to positively help myself without negatively affecting anybody else. And I wanted this to be my career. Mm -hmm. And um, Brother, we must have been like separated at birth because obviously I did, you had a little rougher than I did, but we had a lot of the same, a lot of the same stuff back there in, mm -hmm. in our childhood. So crazy. Mm -hmm. I totally am totally understanding. I'm totally digging your journey so far, brother. Keep it rolling. Yeah. So, uh, 
when I was uh, seeing the magazines like um, Men's Health, Muscle Fitness, Flex, Muscle Mag, all those ones that we all remember, of course, from back in the day. Oh, yeah. I, like, I, I want to be in those someday. And it was uh, seeing those magazines in the gym just per- just motivated me, um, especially when Ronnie Coleman first won the Olympia in 98 because he was a full-time cop, which was something I could relate to because I had cops in my family. It was like, man, if he could do it. I don't know how far I'd get. I probably can't get Ronnie Coleman, but I could probably get to some point where I'd be satisfied with myself. And the girlfriend I was seeing at the time thought I was a nut, and she actually broke up with me when when she realized I was serious on my oh. 18th birthday, no less. Um, <laughs> 18th birthday. Um, and instead of just that dejecting me, it just motivated me even more. And over the course of the next 10 years, I slowly but surely just kept working at it. Um I can remember breaking 200 pounds on the scale and thinking, oh, my God, I've made it. <laughs> um, I eventually got it. <laughs> That's awesome, brother. I love it. And uh, by 2009, I finally reached around 230 pounds. And uh, I'd been lifting 10 years. And this was all completely drug-free. Um, so uh, never – there was steroids just wasn't around in West Virginia back then. There was no real way to get them. And by the time I got to that point, I was like, well, okay, I've done what I wanted to do. Um, around the beginning of 2009, I got laid off from my home improvement job because I was on a delivery and I got hurt. A refrigerator fell on my shoulder. So trying to keep myself motivated through my rehab to try to find another job, I started writing on a little blog on uh, bodybuilding.com. And I don't know if you all remember body space or not. My space was the big thing back then. So bodybuilding.com, yeah. body space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I started writing on this blog just to kind of keep myself motivated, random stuff, just training stuff, quotes, whatever. I'm to me and developed a following and somebody was a customer service rep for bodybuilding.com and said, you need to write an article. Okay. Either I'm going to know something else I'm not good at, or I'm going to get 15 minutes of fame. We'll see. <laughs> I wrote an article. <laughs> I wrote an article, sent it in and, um, a guy that we all probably know now, Chris Gethin, was actually yeah. the editor at the t- Okay. When Chris Gethin read my article, he signed me, and he wanted me to become a regular contributor, which was insane to me. Um, totally awesome, brother. Like <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was crazy. It was just like a one- – I thought it was just going to be a one-off deal, and he was like, dude, we'll give you store credit to buy your supplements. Shoot, yeah. I'll be all about <laughs> <Yeah>. that. Um, <laughs> so uh, – I started writing two a month, um, then it was three a month, and then they did this little thing called the Site Awards. It wasn't that big of a deal, but but back then to me it was everything. And they actually had a Writer of the Year award, and they actually gave it to me. Um, awesome. As pumped as pumped as okay, I was for it, beautiful. I had as pumped as I was for that. They I posted on my Facebook page and just figured, okay, this is my real fifteen minutes of fame, and then we'll just see where it goes. Somebody on the local news saw my Facebook post and had me be on the local news about me winning this award. Oh man, this is great. It just keeps getting better. It's like meant to be. It, it, it pretty much was. I, I swear. I think it was just dumb luck on my part because how all these things fell together, but I'd sent the video to the CEO of the company and was like, man, I don't know if you noticed and I'll bet the local news actually did a thing on me winning this award. When I sent that to him about a month later, they decided to make me a paid writer. So now I'm making cash. It isn't just now I'm making money. (laughs) Um, And uh, I was with them. I stayed with them all the way up until 2021. And uh, because I try to be as loyal as I could be. Mm -hmm. Um, But after a while, my editor who replaced Chris had said, you know, man, you could probably make a living from this. So we're going to actually take off the exclusivity and you need to try to become a freelancer. So uh, once I did, I just kind of reached out to random sites. It would be through emails, through Twitter. I would post supplement reviews of uh, some of the stuff I bought. That way, some of the companies could be exposed to me. Um, Lee LeBron assigned me to LeBron Nutrition. John Balick signed me to Iron Man Magazine. Um, I got signed to uh, Muscle strength which was another website um and at this entire time i'm also working as a day job as a child advocate i'm interviewing 
kids that have been possibly abused, kind of like I was. And uh, I did that for several years. And around 2015, I made so much money as a writer, not that I was rich, but my wife and I kind of figured out, wait a minute, we could probably buy a house. And when that concept, <laughs> when that beautiful. concept, when that concept went in my head, I went all in. So um, we closed on the house in June 2015. I left my child advocacy job in October 2015, and I've been a full-time freelance writer ever since. So I'm going wow. on seven years now as full-time in the fitness industry in this role. That's Man. beautiful, Amazing. brother. Yeah. Absolutely that's, beautiful, and it and it like fit together like it was supposed to. You know, I mean that's that's a beautiful thing about your story. It's it's that's amazing. It, it kind of reminds me of my story because a lot of people don't know this about me, but I I was an undergrad counselor at a university for six six seven years before I got into bodybuilding full time. Mm. You know what I did was basically get students into college. You know, teach them how to. Uh, do financial aid, how to uh, apply for loans and all this other stuff like that. And I did that for seven, six years. But at the same time, I would like train and uh, try to do bodybuilding shows and stuff like that. But I never took it serious until one day I decided to just quit that job and take it upon myself to like, hey, I could do bodybuilding full time. So I quit my mm-hmm. real job and decided to do bodybuilding full time. And it paid off significantly for me. You know, so that's what that yeah. story kind of remind me of. Mm-hmm. that's that's beautiful yeah, and i love the, i love the idea of when people say quitting my real job because when you when you're working for money you really don't want to got that's that's a job now we mm-hmm. now we do what we want to do and that's that's yeah. that's living right there you know yeah. mm-hmm. it, abs- absolutely. it absolutely is you know uh they say if you do what you're actually wanting to do you're never really working yes and that's that was kind of the mindset i wanted to go mm-hmm. with i wasn't trying to find a way to use the fitness industry to make money. I was always trying to find a way to make money so I could somehow stay relevant in the fitness industry because that was like where the real passion was. And what I had found was if you focus so much on a dollar and nothing else, or if you place it so far ahead of the other priorities, you may get hot for a few months, then it's going to kind of fizzle out. It's when you focus more on doing everything for the right reasons, making a million differences instead of a million bucks and trying to contribute to something bigger than yourself in the right way, that longevity stays there. And yeah. I think my story is kind of a testament of that. Well, 100%. I, and I can tell what I hear too, brothers. I mean, you know, you love doing what you're doing and the fact you're getting paid for it, just like, what? Okay. I'll take the money, but I'm doing this where I was getting paid or not anyway, you know? <laughs> and so much. when you, yeah, when, I, you I, when you, when you love what you yeah, absolutely. And when you love what you do, it's just you're doing such a better job, so to speak. I hate to use the word job, but you're executing so much better because you're in love with what you're doing. And I love, I mean, it's an awesome story, brother. I fucking love it. That's the way it's supposed to be, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and that's what I try to do with my story. With my particular career, I don't try to make it as much about myself. Like when Men's Health actually asked me to do one on me, it was like, okay, that, that was kind of weird. That's actually one of the rare times I'm nervous about mm. writing an article because <laughs> I'm not used to doing anything on myself. But when he had seen my transformation and he had heard that, you know, at one point I was almost homeless and now I'm a homeowner and I went from unemployed to self-employed, he thought the story needed to be told. It did. If I can, if I can use yeah. my story for that reason, then I'm mm-hmm. all in on doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But Again, like I said earlier, what I found is if I try to make it about me, I'm not going to get very far. So well, that's what I like. Unfortunately, bro, this show is about you, so you're going to have to make this show about you. No, but I love it. I, I love it, brother. You're more comfortable, you know, promoting other people than yourself. That's a beautiful thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the yeah. talent you have to do what you've done. Yes. It's a that's an unbelievable skill set that not a lot of people have. I mean, it's literally a handful of people could do what you've done. True. There's not yeah. that many people. And yeah. it's it's amazing that your passion for this and your general love for the athletes and the sports and all of it. It's it's just it comes through in everything that you do and it's really neat getting interviewed by you because you don't have to worry. You can just let everything go. You're going to make sure 
that the people that you're interviewing are always going to look in a good light. So it's, it's amazing. And I just want to say, thank you, <laughs> man. That's a, that's an honor to hear. I'm not going to lie. That's a uh, pretty cool to hear you say that. And I've, I've been told that's one of the things that's different about me as an interviewer, as opposed to other people. Massively. I don't want it to be, I don't want it to be an interview. I want it to be a, just an informal conversation, just kind of like we're yeah. having here right now, yeah. because that's when you're going to get the real person. And that's when it makes my job even easier because yeah. you're going to give me the real message that I need to spread. If you're trying to put yourself in a position where you're just strictly professional and you're delivering this one thing to promote this one product or whatever, I'm, I could piece it together, but at the same time, the reader's probably not going to get that much out of it. When I took the readers through Nick, Nick's journey through his lat repair mm -hmm. um, after his surgery yeah. through Barbend, which is another site mm -hmm. I write for, barbend.com. Um, to go through that whole process, I was actually able to take the reader, I feel, to where almost they were spotting Nick in a sense mm -hmm. and just watching what he's doing from a fly-on-the-wall perspective. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's always been the way I've wanted to do it. And I got to get one with you in at some point soon, okay? Because uh, since you're doing the Arnold Classic, I would love to be able to get one with you as well. Because uh, mm -hmm. I know you got a lot of fans that love seeing stuff about your training. Mm -hmm. um, but I want to give the reader a sense of being like, okay, I'm in the gym with Nick. Or I'm in the gym mm -hmm. with Akeem. And mm -hmm. I want to be able to give the reader something that they can tangibly take with them the next time they work out. You know, okay, what was the origin point of that rep? Okay, what is it that he tried to do? He tried to drive the elbow down. He didn't try to pull the lat. Those kind of little details can make yeah. all the difference. And I found if I focus on that, that is what will keep the reader coming back. That's mm -hmm. what will keep the brands going, and that's what will eventually keep me going. Yeah, because mm -hmm. they're actually, they actually learning something from what you – not just basically saying he did that movement. He did a lap pull down. You're actually going in step by step and in details about how he did it, mm -hmm. you know, how his form yeah. was and everything like that. And that's what people want to know. And that's how you learn, you know? Right. With both of you guys and speaking to both, actually all three of you, you know, when you see pictures of you all on the internet, you look like walking, talking superheroes. Mm -hmm. And there's times it could probably be hard for a beginner to connect with you because, okay, well, they're here, there and I'm here. Well, I can help the reader kind of understand that, well, if you want to get to where you want to feel like a superhero, you want to train like the superheroes train, here's how you can do it. And they're willing to help you because I'm using your words whenever you're doing through these things. Nick saw this with the white uh, <laughs> article and also with the men's health interview. Yep. Um, you know, I want it to be to the point that when the fans actually meet you, they can kind of connect with you. Mm -hmm. they almost feel like they already know you. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's what's so special about the way you do it because it does, you do do that mm -hmm. and you accomplish that. Mm -hmm. and it's, it's neat. And when the fans come up to us or contact us after reading the stuff, um, it's really kind of neat the way they ask questions because I, I, they have a di different insight into it and I can explain mm -hmm. it a little further when people like ask instead of just being right. so kind of vague in general. Yeah. And uh, something else I try to do is try to make sure I put the strength sports in as positive of a light as possible. Yep. Because how many channels do we all know? How many outlets do we all know that thrive on the drama and the controversies and that kind of stuff? And again, you're going to probably get hot for a little while. You might profit from it initially, but I've been in my position for over a decade and it's because I generally feel this. I try to put the sport the athlete and the reader in as positive of a light as possible. Um, I want the brand to thrive so they'll come back to it. If the um, athlete is being featured, I want them to, you know, want to come back and trust me again for the next one. Um, it's rare for me to actually interview someone once. Normally if I've done it once, I've come back to them and did it for another platform or something later on because they trust me. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I found has kept me in the game as long as it has. Um, I'm not as famous as Nick. I'm not as famous as Akeem. Um, I'm not, I'm nowhere near John's level, but I'm here. And the fact that I've stayed here is means I'm doing something right. Well, bro, let me on that level. Let me, let me speak up. And I'll tell you when, when somebody has existed in the fitness industry, whatever platform, cause it, the fitness industry is known to spit you out is real quick. I mean, you know, we see people mm -hmm. come in and they're gone as fast as they came in. So 
when you can establish a position uh, in any position or multiple positions for over a decade, you've got the formula figured out and you've done that, mm-hmm. you know, because how many we see athletes who we see all types of people in infinite, they, they're flashing the pan, they come in hot and as fast as they came in, they disappear like a fart in the wind, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, once you, once you've done your time and you've started stacking up decades of being relative and you've got a first, your first decade under your belt, that's, that's, that's killer. That's a huge, you know, it shows, it really demonstrates what you're saying, you know, yeah. about doing it the right way. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'm start, I'm starting my 14th year now as a writer at wow. this level, whatever that level is. And I've found that I've had to evolve over time and it used to be about what my knowledge was, or, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, the summit company of the moth or, you know, doing features on body space members. Um, and then it was, pro bodybuilders and competitors. And then it was contest coverage. And then when I joined Barbend, I shifted to strongman, powerlifting, CrossFit. And because that's the thing, like there's guys who stay in one lane and they thrive, obviously, and God bless them. But someone in my position, I've had to maintain all the fields. You know, I've got to keep up with all the strongman coverage, all the powerlifting coverage, even a I just did an article recently on a fitness race called high, high rocks. Um, and I had to study up on that real quick. And it looks like I'm going to be doing more stuff with them down the road. Um, and then all these athletes that want to jump from one sport to another. Um, I have to make sure I have enough knowledge and awareness that I can keep in the conversation so I can include the reader in the conversation. Yeah. I think that evolution has helped me as well. <clears throat> yeah. Well, you, you said it 14 years you've been getting it. So let's, let me ask you a couple of interesting questions. And obviously, you know, this is stuff that you've published. So it's really just kind of going back through your memory banks. When I say, what is, right. the, what was the craziest <coughs> interview? Like who tell us about, like when I say it can be crazy in any regard, I mean, cause goodness knows we have some pretty crazy characters in the industry and all these different sports and everything else. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, in 2011, I got to interview Branch Warren right after he won the Arnold Classic. I mean, he left the stage and he's coming through all these people and he's getting ready to go to a couple of media outlets backstage. And I happened to be standing there and there was a friend of mine who uh, wanted to take a photo of us. So he snapped a quick photo and I just kind of asked him two or three questions on the spot for bodybuilding.com. And he's standing there answering them and if you guys have ever heard Branch speak, you know he's got that deep, intense bass in his voice. And there's all these people trying to tug at him. And he just kind of looks at him for real quick and goes, back the fuck up. And they're all like, oh, shit. <laughs> and he then he looks at me like Clark Kent mode. He goes, I'm sorry, you were saying? And it's like, um, what's next for you, Branch? The Olympia. Uh, okay, man. Thanks for your time. He's like, appreciate it. And off he walks to the next one. It was so like two it was just like literally just pow, get away from me and then back to you like nothing happened, right? Yeah, exactly. That's a, oh, that's awesome. I'm not sure if he even remembers that or not, but it was a, it was a pretty unique moment for me because I'm just standing there and I never met him before. And I'm literally just like, hey, Brash, congratulations. And my photographer, buddy's like, guys, this way. We take the picture and I just, <laughs> took, just, just took the moment, asked a couple questions and I guess he thought that was his first interview and it was, it was an insane experience seeing him get that intense that quick, even though he was so carb depleted and had literally <laughs> just won probably a hundred thousand bucks. <laughs> um, I mean, Akeem's been there when you're, when you just want a show and you've just had the adore, adoration of the fans, it's like, okay, I need food. Yeah. You're not one to take part in too much media. Nah, stuff. Exactly. So, That's the last thing you want to do is um, do interviews and stuff like that. Exactly. And, uh, the funniest part about that wasn't even that that day. Um, it was actually earlier in the day because I went to go take a nap before that contest. And I got woke up by a loud banging on the door. And eventually the door got kicked in. And it was actually a couple of police officers. Oh, shit. I'm in the midst of a nap. <laughs> and the manager had, my, had me listed in another room. Oh. So when... So when I'm going into my room to take a nap, the major I thought I squatted the room. So he called the cops. Oh, oh shit. So we're going through all of this grief to get all this squared away. I showed him the room key. I showed him the confirmation. I showed him everything. 
And then the cop was like, this is insane. I am so sorry you're having to deal with this. And he gave me his card and was like, if you have any more problems, let me know. Here's my number. Da, 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 da. Um, so fast forward to after that contest, I have to get back home. So in the middle of the night, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm walking back to my car and I come and I see another police officer or what I thought was another police officer. Um, so I can get directions to get to Route 33 so I could get back home. Cause I live in West Virginia. Columbus is a four hour drive. Um, I go up to this police officer to see if I can get directions. It's the same cop. Oh, he's like, <laughs> he's like again. And I'm like, well, I'm not going back to the hotel. I'm trying to actually leave town. He's like, hit your hazards, follow me. So I put on my hazards. <laughs> he hits his siren. We go escort, through man. red lights. We go through all types of intersections. He gets me to 33, and he pulls off, turns off his lights. I turn off my hazards. He just beeps his horn and waves, and I'm off. That That's was the most. Cool, man. That was probably the most unique day I've ever had. Covering yeah. any How did I mean the that the stars just aligned for you to to find that guy again, and he was ready to mm-hmm. take care of you because of the trouble you had earlier today. It's a, that's a cool story, brother. Well, I have the <laughs> dumbest luck, but it works in my favor almost every single time. Yeah, that, that one turned out good, man. Yeah, it could it could have went sideways real fast, you know. <laughs> I yeah, don't know if I'd be able to talk any more stories than that one, but I think that one was pretty good enough to be have the cops called on me and then prompt to interview a branch warrant and then be escorted by the cops out of town. It's an exciting day. Yeah, it it was an exciting day. <laughs> well, I had to find a Wendy's one. to sit and chill for a minute. There you go. <laughs> I love it. So let's try this one. And, and you, can't, you can't use Nick as your answer, just oh. to preface the question. Oh, oh Who's your favorite interview? Since <laughs> 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 Nick is not included, I'll say Ronnie Coleman. Oh, oh yeah. Tell us yep. why. I've inter- um, he was the guy that I saw on the cover of Muscle and Fitness when I decided I wanted to get in this industry. He had just won the Olympia mm. for the first time. And uh, he was just, he was a full-time cop. He was big. He was jacked. And, um, I kind of did a small podcast on my own in 2010 and I knew somebody that knew him. I took a shot in the dark and was like, is there any chance Ronnie be willing to do an interview? Well, I'll ask him. Unbeknownst to me, he agreed because he had just left muscle and fitness or mm-hmm. flex. He had just left flex and he had not yet signed on muscular development. So mm-hmm. I caught him when he didn't have exclusivity. First interview goes to happen. He stands me up. He completely forgot and didn't write down the time or anything. So I emailed him. Hey, Ronnie, things happened. I understand. You know, sorry that this didn't work out. If we could try it again, let me know. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. Um, give me a, give me another week. Let's do it again. I'll give you a whole hour. Okay, great. We come back the next week, and he actually gives us a full 60-minute interview. We oh, wow. talked his career. We talked college. We talked training. We talked everything. And when that was all said and done, I thanked him in the email and he was like, here's my number. You took such good care of me for that interview. If you ever need anything else again, let me know. So, holy crap. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Fast forward six months later, he is leaving BSN and he's about to start Ronnie Coleman's signature series. And he actually used me with bodybuilding.com to help make the announcement. Oh, Oh, right on. Mm-hmm. And for him to put me in that position that he trusted me enough to make that to take that kind of care of him, mm-hmm. um, that thing made that article made headlines. It was on Pro Bodybuilding Weekly. Um, Dan Solomon talked about it. Ronnie shared it on all of his social media, and that connected me to so many other bodybuilders. Because if the eight-time Mister Olympia is willing to work with me, then why mm-hmm. couldn't anybody else? And uh, he gave me a sense of credibility at that point that I'm yeah. still able to carry to this day. I've probably interviewed him five or six times over the years about various things. And uh, he is as genuine as it comes. Yeah. Oh man. I tell you, he's definitely, he, how can you not like him? I mean, he's just so down to earth, you know, and he's just in unique, you know I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, he's a guy that's to to me, it doesn't strike. He's not trying to be anybody but himself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there's, uh, uh, there's definitely no being fake with him. He, He only knows one way. And I hate that he's went through everything he's went through, but the last time I talked to him, 
He appears to be on the other side of it. He's getting better. He's back up to 285 in weight. He's feeling more confident in the gym. And um, to hear that, yeah, buddy, lightweight baby. I love it. The thing about his story, too, is that, you know, goodness, he went through, obviously, you know, being the most dominant uh, figure that the pro bodybuilder ever seen and obviously going through all his troubles. But even through all the trouble, he was still training just simply because he loved it. That was his, always his answer. Why are you doing it? Because I love it. That's yeah. the best. I mean, there's a guy who's just doing what he loves, doing it when he's the best in the world. He's doing it when he's in a, in a you know, hospital bed. He's doing it when he's recovering from that's, that's. I mean, that's to me, that's inspiration, you know, doing it every corner of your life. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, no prescription medication is going to replace his daily dose of iron. And uh, <laughs> to, uh, to be able to get in the gym at two or three in the morning to do whatever it is he's needing to do that day. Um, I'm sure if you asked him what day of the week it is, he would say chest day, arm day, shoulder day. It wouldn't be Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Um, he's, what you've seen in the magazines and on YouTube is what you get when you see him in real life. There is no alternate personality with him. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's 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 what I that's what I was saying too. I mean, every time I've seen an interview or seen him in person, it's the same. You're you're not getting two variants of him. You know? Yeah. Right. Very. I cool. actually have a funny Ronnie. I actually have a funny Ronnie story too. If you're interested. Yeah. Um, hell yes. Yeah, yeah. Let's hear it. So you know, last year he got the Arnold Classic Lifetime Achievement Award. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Okay. On the Friday before that. He was scheduled to take part in a sit-down Friday night with the champion get-together. It was him, Victor Martinez, Cedric McMillan, Bob Chickarole was the MC, and Arnold. And you remember when Ronnie first went to take to the stage, I don't know if you saw it or not, he actually fell. Well, he, I saw that, that, but I didn't, I didn't see him fall, but I saw the interview. I mean, it was so touching. You saw the interview. Okay. So, you know, when he looked down into his pocket occasionally in between when people were answering questions? Yeah. He was answering my text when I asked him if he was okay. No shit. Oh, I was in the crowd, insane. and I'm like, dude, oh, that's cool. I hope, you, I hope you're okay after that fall. And he yeah. replied back to me, yeah, I did that on purpose, LOL. And I was like, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, um, I actually told that story to one of the Arnold people the next day, and they didn't believe me. So I had to literally pull out my phone and show him the text and the timestamp and everything. He was like, that was literally you. He was texting. Yeah, it was me. He was texting. And <laughs> before the Arnold Classic started, I'm talking to that guy again. Ronnie comes up, pats me on the shoulder. What's going on, man? How you doing, brother? You really feeling better? Cool. He's like, yeah, I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling good. I told you I did that on purpose. <laughs> and he goes down and takes a seat. <laughs> it was awesome. When he was taking that that award, I mean, I mean, he it was all he could do. He he was just trying to to gather himself enough to to you know basically thank his mom. And he was like, I mean, I he was so deeply touched. That was for me. That was like, oh my god. I mean, this is more important to him than anything else he's done. He could barely he could barely talk. It was real so special. Yeah, it's genuine. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've I never got to see him win the Olympians in person. But I got to see him get inducted into Hall of Fame in 2016, and I saw that, and I've seen him modern in a few different ways over the years since, and that was probably the most emotional I'd ever seen him was that particular moment. And uh, I'm not going to say we're absolute best friends because we don't talk that often, but to have known him and talked to him as many times as I have, yeah, um, it was actually a little emotional for me because I understand that. My mom died seven years ago. Oh, sorry. And for, him to, not that, ha- and for him to not have her anymore. Um. And to be able to do that tribute, I would have probably done the same thing. I mean, it was well, – I'm a big mama's boy. So when, when he finally could speak and he was talking, you know, talking to his mom, it started making me cry. I was actually quite lucky. I was in my living room, <laughs> you know, watching it on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, it, was, it was touching, man. It was really touching. There, there was probably not a dry eye in the house. And, I mean, I looked around me because I was in the press pit. And even though the people in the media were getting kind of emotional about it. So, oh man, um, I mean, he probably, it took him, what do you think, probably 60, 90 seconds to calm himself. Every time he tried to talk, he couldn't do it again. It was, it was, I mean, truly he was touched. That was an amazing moment. 
you know. Yeah, it, it was. Um, it was probably the highlight of that year for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, man, that's really cool that you got, I mean, clearly that's going back to what we were talking about earlier, but how you do things the way you do them, you're getting people like Ronnie Coleman who embrace you in a way because you do such a great job. You do, you do your job so well. And that's why you're here with us, brother, because we were excited to get a chance to talk to you because you're one of the best at what you do. So that's yeah. all this Ronnie Coleman stuff just demonstrates exactly you know what you were talking about earlier and and you are one of the greats in the industry right and so brother keep up the good work that's really really cool shit it's a uh, you know i when i first started doing all this i wanted to be a bodybuilder but i figured out earlier on i wouldn't go out of the genetics i wasn't also, i also realized i was going to stop growing at five foot nine so i wasn't going to be a strong man like nick either um, <laughs> I did a couple of local powerlifting meets, but it wasn't nothing too serious. But by that point, I figured out my talent was writing. And it was like, okay, I'm going to kind of stay in this lane and just see what happens with it. Because I can always revisit powerlifting later on. And you, 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 do, you, do, be, you, you do, you know, uh, Marius Pujanowski is? Oh, yeah. Five time world's he, strongest man. Dude's a yeah. beast. He's only 5'10. You know that, right? Yeah, but at the time he was a little taller than that. He was he was he was a little taller than me. Oh, he's five ten. Yeah, he's he's listed as five ten. No, he's not. He's actually about six foot. Yeah, he's just he just a skosh over six because I mean, that was the guy right there. If he hadn't come along, I wouldn't have had a goddamn pro strongman career because all of a sudden they started making. That's kind of the the athletic era, which is how my me being about six feet as well actually had a, an, an era to compete in, you know, because shortly after that, here comes the, the Brian Shaw's and the Thor's of the world. And so I was, thank God I was just lucky to get out of there in time because I wouldn't have had much of a career with those guys running around. <laughs> it's you, you see bodybuilders in person and the came, don't take us as an offense or anything, but you see bodybuilders in person. And it's like, man, they're big. And then you see them next to strong men. Or at least the ones now. <laughs> I think he froze too. <laughs> he did. Uh, now, now I'm taking it personal now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's crazy. It's crazy having done the. I've competed in the Arnold twice, and mm-hmm. it's it's pretty crazy when they came off the pose down from the stage, and then yeah. all the strongmen are in the back of the Arnold. Yeah. When all the all the bodybuilders come in and just the differences, it's it's pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah, very but different you know, sports, very different people for sure. You know, you know damn well none of us, any of us, are going to be able to eat that way. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> one, one one thing that I would say is uh, when I when I did the Arnold Classic um, China, mm-hmm. we we had a, a, a open buffet at the hotel. And yeah. You you strong man. literally i can't remember the guy's name i think he was russian he literally got the chefs pissed off because he was eating too much (laughs) well you know i I put a both sides of the fence you know i was straw man and bodybuilding and when you when you're dealing with i mean you're basically dieting yourself into a fucking full-blown you know, eating disorder. So you're not, you're, you're, you're eating because you can, it has nothing to do with other than, okay, yes, it tastes good. And yes, you haven't had this in a long time. You feel like you're going to pop and you don't know why you keep stuffing what you're stuffing in your face, but you just do it. There's some signal in your brain that says, keep going. (laughs) Nick, mind you, this is after the show when bodybuilders finish competing, you know, we eat anything in the house, right? Right after the show, we, we, we go all out. And we could not keep up with the strongman. I'm serious. Yeah. Oh, I, I that was amazing. It. Yeah. Yeah. We could they, we could eat some food. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just especially just look at the. I mean, look at the size of some of the the top guys now. I mean, 450 pounds. I mean, that's a mm-hmm. think about think about the um, think about how many you know really really big steaks it's going to take to satisfy all that tissue. You know. Oh, it's it's nuts. Yeah. You'll go out to dinner with them. Like, if I go out with Brian or Eddie or Robert, for that matter, 
I mean, I'll get a steak. I'll, I'll get, you know, a, a, a huge steak and they'll get two. And <laughs> two on your show, remember on your show, you guys were having a steak eating contest and I correct, oh. if, I'm, correct if I'm wrong. The loser yeah. had to buy the steaks, and I think that was you, wasn't it? Yeah, yes, I ended up having to buy the steaks. Yes, yeah. yeah. He was, he was like, God damn it, this is going to be a big bill because you guys each ordered like three humongous yeah. steaks. Yeah, it was like four eighty or something like that by the time it was all said and done. And explaining yeah, that, yeah, explaining that to Callie was not a lot of fun. <laughs> I imagine what? not, but. Again, um, I think that kind of speaks to the level of dedication and extreme it takes for both of those sports. Yes. Strongmen are pretty much having to force feed themselves. Bodybuilders are having to thrive on such low calorie restrictions. Mm-hmm. It's polar ends of the extremes, but at the same time, they're extremes. And to have to take what they do to that level to honor that kind of a commitment, it's a, it's insane. There's a reason why they're world-class athletes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's nuts because you got some of the strong men that will wake up once, sometimes twice in the middle of the night and drink a protein shake Mm -hmm. just to get more calories and while they're while they're sleeping because they want to eat like every three hours. So it's it's pretty nuts. So, brother, I think after events like. Oh, go ahead, brother. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Forgive me. Okay. Um, I was just going to say, I think personally, after all the competitions are over for strong men, I think there needs to be a bonus eating contest, just kind of like <laughs> yeah. as an exhibition, like an there extra $5,000 pot, just to oh. see who can eat the most. And, and people would, people would want to see that too, wouldn't they? Hell oh, yeah. absolutely. I would. <laughs> well, I'm out of that one. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be out of that one because I get, you know, oh my God. The, when Brian and I did... Uh, his YouTube video where we went to the casinos to eat here. Mm-hmm. And so we ate at all the, like at three different buffets in one day yeah. and ate till we're full in each one. He just, mm-hmm. he found a whole nother gear when we got to Caesar's buffet that mm-hmm. I didn't think was possible. Cause I had about four plates of food and I think he had about eight. Oh, I mean, it was, it, yeah, it was, I, it's like, <laughs> it's, like <laughs> it's all you do. It's all you. I love it. That's and that's Uh-oh. a fun, I mean that's and you're keep in mind that's not just not once a day. That's multiple times in the day. Yeah, I mean we hit buffets three times that day. Yeah, like all you can eat three times that day, and I think he had a snack somewhere in between actually. <laughs> so I didn't. I he did. <laughs> so brother, we you told us about some, some really cool stuff with the interviews. Obviously, uh, you gave us your your favorite. Tell us what was the most difficult in terms of, was it uh, the person itself? Was it the scheduling? Tell us about the most difficult interview you ever did. And you can't use Nick as your answer for this one either. Oh, <laughs> well, Nick, I'm taking you out of the, Nick. I'm taking you out of the cake for any of them. So just so oh, you know. I, pre- I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. um, well, Nick wouldn't be my answer for most difficult anyway. Um, I think we all knew that, but it was still fun to say you can't pick him. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the ones that are probably the most challenging, unfortunately, it's not going to be nothing controversial, but for muscle fitness, I do a column called Fit to Serve, and it features members of the United States military. And I will feature these people. Some of them are IFBB pros. Some of them aren't but they all have stories. And unfortunately the hardest part of that job is I have to have them tell what it is that they've went through because you got to give them the Valley if you want them to reach the peak. Yeah. And um, some of these people have been wounded. Some of them have seen their comrades be killed. Some of them have had to tell their family members or the deceased wow. family members that they passed. Wow. And those are all, always the toughest ones because not That's only rough. because not as much about for me because I've obviously dealt with my share of trauma, both personally and professionally, but I have to have that person deal with secondary trauma by reliving the initial trauma. Mm-hmm. And most of them have been pretty good that they can handle it. And, you know, they're comfortable enough telling the story that they can, but you know, you're still going to put them in that position. And you'd much rather not. Um, the, uh, 
there was a gentleman I just did one on recently. His name was Rob Jones, and he was an IED specialist. And in 2010, unfortunately, he found one the hard way, and he lost both of his legs. <clears throat> and he was actually talking about the hardest part was facing his mother because he had been wounded. It was like, Ooh, man, wow. this, man, man, wow. this one sucks. And uh, I've also done a few features because of my connection with childhood domestic violence and my previous experience of child abuse. Um, if there's been athletes or people that have dealt with that, they trust me to tell them the story. And again, it's going through that whole process of having them talk about it and process it. And it's never easy. It's always gut wrenching to get them to do that. But I always try to remember the end goal is that, you know, I'm educating a reader. That reader may get some knowledge from this that they may never have. Yeah. And they may be able to use that at some point to save a kid's life. It's pretty much the thing I do when I tell my survivor story, which I've done since I was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Somebody in this room is going to benefit from this. So it's worth going through it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are definitely the toughest ones to say the least. Yeah, I can imagine that's, <clears throat> that's, that's real issues there. What's not, you know, it's not about uh, dropping a 500 pound bench press on your chest. I mean, we're talking some real issues there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I've actually never really had any that were too controversial or nobody really gave me a hard time, you know, with any of the interviews I've done so far. Um, it's always been the things kind of like that where, you know, we have to get into sensitive topics. Yeah. That I'd probably rather not get into with these people, but it's what, it's what the it's job calls job. Yeah. So, and if I'm going to take all the benefits of the job, I got to deal with all the pressures of the job. And yeah. uh, what is that? What is that phrase? No pressure, no diamonds. Yeah. Yeah. All these people are diamonds. It's because they've had to deal with the pressure. Yeah. That's pretty good. I I like that one. I'm going to keep that one. Yeah. I'm going to use that. Oh, Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, that's, it's, so you think, I mean, life gets, life gets hot. The pressure's on. It's like, okay, the pressure's on. You got to remember that the pressure is what molds your character. And then once you, once the pressure's gone for a diamond, then it hit it with heat. So mm-hmm. the pressure's gone. Now here comes the heat. Here it comes again. But you know, it's the, those little those little sayings that are really helpful because mm-hmm. you know a diamond has to go through all that to become a diamond. You know. Yeah, I've got three of them that I use. Like yeah, one of them, uh, of course, no pressure, no diamonds. The uh, the second one I always use is high tide raises all ships. I heard that from my dad because he was in the Navy during Vietnam. What was it and, again? Uh, high, high tide, tide raises all ships. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a little Navy phrase, and uh, pretty much it's, you know, don't focus so much on the negativity, the drama, the low points, you know, focus on bringing everybody else up. If you're bringing yourself up, you're bringing everybody else up with you. Obviously, everybody in this conversation knows about that. Um, And then the third one is something I personally came up with myself, but it's actually been on a couple of posters over the years. No goal is unreachable if your will is unbreakable. Um, Here we go. Yeah, I like that. For a scrawny teenager to have been where I've been and had to deal with what I had to deal with to eventually climb to the position I'm in, whatever it is, um, that took some serious will. For yeah. everybody on this chat right now to have achieved world-class status like we have, um, it takes some will. There has to be some want to there on the days you just don't want to. Um, that motivation is fleeting. And um, as long as you maintain that willpower and you're – not willing to break, then I don't think there's any limit of what you can do. That's it. It's all the stuff that all the stuff that we didn't know why it was happening to us that were the best things that ever happened to us because that's what prompted us to become what we mm-hmm. became. You know? Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, I would have never imagined I'd never imagined that at some point when I was at my weakest, most vulnerable moment at 10 years old and my dad is holding me at gunpoint that four years later, I would have started telling that story to total strangers. And yet 25 years later, after that, I'm still telling that story because it's taken that information and they're processing it and they're applying it to their patients to discover that they're being abused and they learn what to do to help them. Um, So I would have never imagined that, but taking that negative and turning it into a positive like that. Oh, brother. I I mean, you're, you're talking about, very few people have been held at gunpoint, period. Now to be held at gunpoint by your father, I mean, that's that's a very small school of people that you exist in, you know? And then to take that and do something great with it, 
that's what makes a great person. So, brother, I'm, my hat's off to you. So, good shit. It's a, uh, it's not something I would ever actually reward my father for, but we did come to terms on it much later on because he realized he was drunk on moonshine. He had found out he was getting a divorce. He snapped. Um, but it was probably one of the best things that happened to me because number one, I was able to help people with it, and number two, unfortunately, I'm using his example in the opposite way. I yeah. father yep. myself to a nine-year-old and a stepfather to an 18-year-old. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't want my son to be able to tell a story like that about me, like I have about mm-hmm. him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's things like that. It's just a matter of you're not going to be able to stop a lot of things that happen to you. It's what you do with it mm-hmm. that yeah. determines the ultimate outcome of it. Um, whether it's 100%. an injury, whether it's an yeah. injury, trauma, personal <laughs> setback, whatever. Um how you rebound from it is the difference. Yeah. And I mean, that's totally true, brother. That's so true. I mean, uh, it's the, the way that a, a person deals with their problems that defines their character, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's been, I mean, it's been like that throughout my entire life. It's, you know, whether it was my dad, the bullying in school, at one point I was homeless and having to live out my 1989 grand marquee and then less than a decade after that, I'm closing on my house. I'm a full-time self-employed person and I'm doing things Beautiful. like this now. It's a, uh, you could take a, you could do a lot with a little. To yeah. Say the least. And that's yeah. The and and it, it's, it's amazing all the things you went through and you took it and you built on it, a positive thing. So just because you've had a rough go at it doesn't mean it's okay to be a dirtbag. It, it means, yeah, it means stand up, make a plan and execute the plan and be a good person because even though those things happen to you, you can still achieve a lot in life and be a good person. You don't have to be like that other person. And that's mm-hmm. what people need to understand is you, uh, I'm never going to be my stepdad. I have no desire to be anything like my stepdad whatsoever. And I, I revel in that. I, I enjoy that. Uh, same thing. I, my kids will never grow up the way I grew up. Never. Yeah. But I, I love Some, the heck out of them. Sometimes our parents, they, the the best lessons they teach us. I got you know my father's a king of that too. The best lessons he ever taught me was what not to do. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it makes exactly. it real simple when you go. Okay, you know, with my mom, I'm trying to emulate. With my dad, I'm trying not to emulate. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> you know. People need to know, though, when bad things happen, you can still yes. do good things and sure. you can still achieve whatever it is you want to achieve. You just got to go start doing it. Yeah. yeah, that's the that's the that was the hardest thing for me to come to grips with when I first started. Um, what I was saying was, you know, the hardest part for most of these people that deal with these situations is starting out because I know with me, number one, that I deserve it. Because if I was the kind of kid that even my father would hold a gunpoint, you know, what do I really deserve in life? Mm-hmm. Wrong belief, but it was what I believed back then. And then number two, it's so far ahead, and I'm only here today. What can I do? Um, so the two things that was the most challenging for me was, number one, reminding myself that I can do it, and mm-hmm. I deserve to do it. Yep. And then number two, making the most of the day that was in front of me literally one day at a time that sounds corny as hell but it's the absolute truth and every athlete every entrepreneur every successful person in every aspect of life will tell you the biggest key is taking advantage of the day that is ahead of you and making the most of it executing step by step whatever it may be um the next workout the next meal the next business meeting um the next opportunity the next social media connection um, all those things, they're tiny little, tiny little details, but when you pile them up, that compound effect, it pays off. Yeah. Um, when you're in that grind, though, it's hard to see that because you see uh-huh. five years from now, 10 years from now, oh, that's forever. That time's going to pass anyway. Yeah. So make the most of the time you have now. Yeah. Well, check this out. I mean, obviously this, you're talking some really cool stuff here, which kind of like entered into the next question that I have for you. So, Basically, with all the experience you've had in life and, and, you know, working with people that have done great things and what would be, you know, if you had to, like, 
give a piece of advice, just a good solid piece of advice to other people, what would it be? Start your day by reminding yourself that you deserve your success and then promise yourself that you're going to give all you got to go get it. Like that's it. awesome. That, that, that's, that that's about the awesome. That's, that's about it. the foundation of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Isn't I mean, that the truth? It, yeah. Um, I train in a barn out by my house. I'm sure Nick has seen pictures of it on Instagram. Oh, oh yes. Um, <laughs> and even whether it's 30 degrees or 80 degrees outside, that's where I go because the nearest gym is over 30 minutes from my house. And before every workout, before everything I do in the day, I have to tell myself, I'm blessed to be in this position. I'm obviously here because I deserve it, but now I've got a yep. responsibility to make the most of it. Yeah. Nobody's going to see what I'm doing in this barn right now, but I'm going to know the <laughs> results, whether I did it or not. So I got to go all in and there's other people that are depending on it. My wife depends on it. My son depends on it. The people that are going to be reading my content in the fitness industry deserve it. I've got to give whatever it is. I got that day. I've got to give all of it. And next thing you know, Days become weeks, weeks become months, months become 13, 14 years. Here we go. I yeah, love to tell you that that little spiel right there you just gave <clears throat> really just gave me some goose pimples because I've been dealing with uh I've been dealing with corona for the last, you know, week and change, you know. And mm-hmm. of course, just doing, you know, staying quarantined, doing what I'm supposed to do, but it kind of it just kind of chips away at the thing that, you know. It kind of makes you you as you're tired, you know, you're not feeling well. Mm-hmm. So hearing you just say that really just kind of lit a fire under my butt. It's like, you know what? It's a week. <clears throat> pull, up, pull up your pants, dude. I'm talking to myself, you know, I'm going to be fine yeah. here. You know, oh, there, there are times I audibly talk to myself, whether it's in the car, yeah. in my barn, wherever it is, I have to hear the voice. Just having a thought mm-hmm. isn't enough. Yeah. And do you, those do you cuss at yourself? Like I cuss at myself a lot. Do you cuss <laughs> at yourself too? <laughs> All the damn time. Okay. Thank God I'm not and, alone Andy, because I was and, like, I was calling myself a pussy all the time. I'm like, Jesus, I hope to God I'm not the only one that curses himself out when no one's listening. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. If I have this of rep or if I backed off on something and I knew I had a few more in me, you piece of shit. Get the fuck out of my um, oh, all the time, all the time. I am my heart. Um, sometimes Make probably it. more than I should be. <laughs> uh, but I love it. It's a, but at the end of the day, it's a, sometimes you just need that and yeah. it's okay to use that as fuel. You know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. if it's a, whether it's somebody's actually said to you or you're saying it to yourself, yeah. if the ends, if the ends justify the means, do it. So that's it. Um, I'll call myself That's a son it. of a bitch if it means I'm going to get four or five on the bench that day. There we okay. go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, brother. So check this out. Mm-hmm. I, we, we give you a time machine. You can get in the time machine as you are today, and you can program in the date to go back in your life to see yourself and give yourself a piece of advice. How far back do you go, and what do you tell yourself? March 9th, 1999, I'm 17 years old, and I am walking oh, to the man. health club for my very first workout. And there are still some butterflies in my stomach. There are still some doubts in my head. I'm going to pat my hand on that kid's shoulder, and I'm going to be like, give this all you fucking got because it will pay off in the end. That, what was the date nice. again? You, you had that cold. What was the date? March, Nine, March 9th, 1999. I actually oh consider my that God. my second birthday. because. No shit. Because it meant that much to me. I'm walking to Greenbrier Health Club. It is six inches of snow that afternoon. I just got back from school and I knew I was going to the gym for this workout. And I was a nervous wreck because, again, I'm 125 pounds soaking wet. Um, I'm probably going to be in the gym with what I thought was a bunch of big dudes. It turned out not really the case. And <laughs> these, these, weights, these weights were intimidating. And it was like I had seen the movie Body of Work by Bill Phillips. And I had seen those muscle and fitnesses sitting on that table. Mm-hmm. And it was just something that went at me. It was like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. I don't know how, I don't know what, but I'm going to be in this business. I'm going to do something great. And, but again, from all that crap I went through as a kid, there was still that initial doubt. You know, do you really think you fucking deserve this? Do you really think yeah. you, you're going to be able to get this? As many other things as you try to fail that, I would love to be able to tell that kid, 
give it hell because it will powerful pay off in the brother end. powerful i mean you knew exactly <laughs> the time the date i mean that that was like there was no there was no pondering that thought you had that you knew exactly where you were going to go there is a you know? there's a country song by brad paisley called letter to me when he writes a letter to himself back as a kid and that's kind of what initially put that thought in my head when i've heard that song so i've actually thought that topic in my head a few times that's why i was able to come up with that answer so quick uh, very <laughs> cool man yeah that was beautiful dude i mean you you normally that question you're gonna have a little pause i mean hell you started you jumped on that date like i mean you were prepared for that question that was great that's that was powerful stuff brother really uh, really cool man i seriously yeah. celebrate that day like it's a birthday <clears throat> because it was at that particular day i knew what i was gonna do with my life i didn't know how what whatever like i said but um i recognize that day just as i do june 29th 1981 my actual birthday um I celebrate every year. I'll go for a workout. I'll go for one hell of a cheat meal. I'll pat myself on the back for that one particular day. And it's like, okay, now what am I going to do next? Because yeah. I'm in this now. So yeah, um, I gave myself that one little good job. All right, motherfucker, it's time to get back to work. <laughs> that's it that's it well brother we've had you here for an hour but before we let you go i got one more question because everything you're just you're giving us some really really cool stuff here our listeners are going to have a lot of takeaways and really that's what's the, that's what this is all about so you've done a, you've you've done a your story is amazing you've done a lot of cool things what is it what when you're physically gone what is it that you want to be remembered for what are you leaving behind what is what's the legacy of roger lockridge i cared more about what i could do for others than what i did for myself yeah this place is yeah. better this place is better with me here than it was when i wasn't yes yep yes that's, that's awesome another when, one you're 10 just when you're 10 just, years just old knew what he was going to say i mean this is you this is beautiful stuff brother you know when you're 10 years old and there's a chance that you're not going to live to see 11 um, or when you're 13, there's a chance you're not going to see 14 or when you're 25 and there's a chance you're not going to see 26. I've had three brushes with death and it's a, it gives you perspective yeah. and clearly it, it reminds you that there's a chance you're not going to be here. I'm not CT Fletcher. I have a flat line like he has, so I'm not going to put myself in that league. But you know, when you come that close, you do start thinking about these kind of things. And, uh, my son, his name is Roger Jr. He's going to literally carry my name after I'm gone. Um, I want him to be able to carry a name that he can take to another height. I want him to do far more of what I've done, but at the same time, I want to make sure he has a help him out in the climb. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So um, that that would pretty much be it. I mean, that that was pretty powerful, brother. I mean, again, you know, you, you knew exactly. I mean, it's it's – it's powerful stuff. You knew exactly the fact that your existence was basically here for a reason. And you just, that was beautiful, brother. Really cool stuff. You know, it's a, I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you all and doing this. It's uh this is crazy for me to be in this kind of company. Um, being a kid that, <laughs> being a kid that w didn't have any company at all. And uh, I'm so grateful for all these positions I get to be in and all these things I get to do. And, I try to make the most out of all of them, and I hope that's what everybody listening to this can do as well. Um, whether it's anything that you all shared or anything they got from me, um, this uh, Legends of Iron podcast can make a difference in a lot of lives. So, yeah, if I have the ability to be on this kind of a platform, then I got to make the most of it. Yeah, thank you. I love it. Thank you. I love it. Uh -huh. Yeah. Before we wrap up, Nick Ock, do you guys have anything else for Roger before we wrap this baby up? No, man, it's just been a pleasure, and you you have a beautiful mind. You're an amazing writer, and uh, just continue on that journey, you know. You have a lot more amazing things to Thanks, give man. to the world. and you do. Yeah, and your, your fans and all the media outlet that you, you provided your service to. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, but, Kim, I know you're going to be in Columbus because you're competing at the Arnold. John, are you and Nick going to be in Columbus as well? I, I won't. This point, I don't know for sure. That's a good question. Possibly. But if we do, we'll definitely connect. If I'm over there, we'll connect for sure, bro. That'd be great. Yeah, man, know? absolutely. I, I, I won't be in Columbus this year. But uh, oh, I'll be at World's Strongest Man. Like, I'll be going this year to watch um, this year up in Sacramento. So if you're there, I'll get to see you there. I hope to be there. That's the plan. Um, what about Masters World's Strongest Man? Are you going to be on that? 
I'm going to do that. Yes, I'll be competing in that this year. Oh, well. There we go, oh, baby. I'm, I'm coming back. Got a power to meet May. Uh, there's going to be a Masters Strongman Contest in July in Indiana that I'm going to do, and then I'll do OSG. I'll do Masters again. That's, a, that's awesome. I told Nick, when I did my interview with him for Men's Health a little while back, he was the 20th or 21st world champion that I got to interview that year in Very 2021. Cool. So uh, to be able to have that many different world champions on yeah. so many different outlets or strength sports and to be able to cover them all, man, that's a wealth of knowledge I got to absorb. So, um, yeah. Nick, again, thank you for that opportunity as well. Uh, my pleasure. I mean, thank you for everything that you do and the things that you've done. I mean, without you, none of this is possible. That's it. That's it. Yeah, brother. I mean, honestly, I, I feel like I've got some takeaways from the show myself, you know, so obviously we're doing this for really trying to, you know, for the listeners and we're trying to make the listeners, uh, you know, motivated and the best version of themselves. But I got to tell you, you were really saying some cool stuff here, brother. I'm, I'm inspired. So I will personally want to thank you. Thank you for the things you said. And I really, we all appreciate you being on the show today. It's a, it's an honor for me. Um, I wouldn't. I don't know if I call myself a legend of iron or not, but to be on the Legend of Irons podcast as a as a fan of uh, all three of you, it's a big deal. So thank you for having me. You got You're it. Welcome, man. Oh, absolutely. Well, there you have it, everyone. We are here to inspire you. We're here to motivate you and help you become the best version of yourself. There is another edition of Legend of Iron. We will see you next time. Legend of Iron is brought to you by Muscleman. The creator of Nitro Test. Nitro Test is hands down the most fucking kick-ass free workout on the market. If you fucking want some, come fucking get some. Can you handle it?